we've all been following a great tragedy that occurred out of British Columbia over the course of the weekend, and that was the crash of one of the aircraft, the Tudor jets, that uh, the snowbirds fly, and the loss, unfortunately, of uh, the life of uh, Jen Casey, who was there, a director of PR and public relations, and I hope I'm getting the title right, but uh, the bottom line is uh, we lost a life and we have an injured pilot and and so tragically uh, enhanced by the fact that this was actually a, a tour to pull Canadian spirits up high, uh, given the times that we're living in, and they've they've been right through. We saw them above, above Toronto about a week or two ago, and uh, this happened uh, in Kamloops. So uh, they're investigating the crash. That's going to take some time, and as a pilot myself, I know that uh, they really try to piece together every every minuscule piece of a second that occurred from uh, the time the uh, the aircraft went amiss until the time of, of the crash. We've got Todd Curtis with us, who is an aviation safety expert, Good morning, sir. Oh, good morning. Thanks for hey, having me. Hey, Todd. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure, uh, under the circumstances, to have you, not so much to talk about this subject. I want to know a couple of things. I, uh, I, I know enough about uh, how airplanes fly, because I've flown a few, but I've never flown a Tudor jet, and uh, you probably have an awful lot more experience in that area than I do. I watched two planes take off uh, together. I watched the left one uh, veer off to the left and try to climb, and it seemed to me that what he was doing was looking to make a U-turn and go back and land uh, the wrong way on the same runway, but uh, probably lost enough uh, momentum that uh, he, he went into a stall and, uh, and spiraled into the ground. Does that sound right to you? That's a possibility. And again, uh, it's entirely too early to speculate because, of course, the investigation is in its earliest stages. But fortunately, there are several different uh, video angles of the takeoff and the crash. And what you said seems to be a plausible uh, reason why the pilot did that. But again, unless and until there's a fuller investigation and an interview with the surviving pilot, uh, we won't know for sure. Okay, so take us through what happens in the cockpit. The thing that we've been told via news reports is that from the time you realize that you're in an unrecoverable situation till you uh, push the eject button, you know, eject, 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 as they say. Those people had about five seconds, and they did manage to push the buttons. Uh, it, it looks to me like it might have been a little bit too late, only because they didn't have very much altitude to begin with. Well, every jet with an ejection system has a different set of rules and guidelines for when to eject. Uh, in my days in the U.S. Air Force as a flight test engineer, I was with a uh, F-16 uh, test force at Edwards Air Force Base, and the time I did get a chance to ride in the F-16. What surprised me was that even though this was a relatively sophisticated jet, the ejection seat, the suggested um, criteria for ejection was, let's say, 2,000 feet in level flight. And clearly, this aircraft was nowhere close to that. Plus, its system was an older style system than what I was familiar with. And given the angle this airplane was during its short flight, there are some periods there where it was in an unusual attitude were ejecting, let's say inverted, might have been uh, fatal no matter what the outcome may have been with the ejection seat. And it looks as though the ejection that did occur happened when the aircraft was, although pointed to the ground, right side up. So I'm speculating here, but I believe when the ejection decision happened, the crew may have had to wait until the aircraft was in a better attitude before having something that was possibly survivable. 
unfortunately, it looks to me like it was impossible at the at the point of ejection to have been in a better attitude. And I guess it was either we go in with the plane or we get out of the plane. And uh, what happens happens. And what happened is one guy fairly serious, seriously injured and uh, and one death. Was was there any way around that? It sounds to me like no. Given the circumstance of the, of the ejection, the likelihood of serious injury or death was, in my opinion, relatively high. And again, yeah. going back to my service in the U.S. military, one of the statistics that struck me, because even back then I was looking at the safety aspects of it, was that in the U.S. military, when it came to an ejection out of a high-performance aircraft, there was roughly a 50% chance, at least in the mid-'80s, of serious injury or death, which says to me that when you are in a desperate situation like that, you're usually not even close to a stable, safe altitude to eject. And in my opinion, looking at the video, this is a relatively low altitude ejection. The parachute or parachutes, and I'm not sure if there are two seats deployed or, or one, even though there was two smoke trails. I didn't see the parachute fully unfurl before the, uh, the ejecting uh, pilots went behind the tree line. So I suspect if the parachute did fully blossom, it would have been relatively close to the ground. Yeah, that's the way it looked to me as well. Well, we'll find out more as the uh, investigation uh, continues. I'd like to take you into another um, area of uh, of air travel because the the new normal in air travel, this is a little bit more upbeat than uh, talking about this, this sad tragedy. Uh, but uh, air travel uh, new normal is... Uh, the business of separating people, masks, uh, looking at uh, our Air Canada, which is the flagship airline, laying off half of the uh, the staff, um, and and looking at uh, as well people and their mindset, and and being ready to get back on an airplane and actually fly somewhere. Um, there's business and pleasure. I think the business people will have to go first. The, the pleasure travelers probably second. What do you predict for the airline industry around the world? I know it's a big question, but what's going to happen over time? Well, there's several things happening at once, as we can all imagine. This is so unprecedented. Even 9-11, when there was a large-scale grounding of aircraft, was an order of magnitude less serious than this because within a matter of days or weeks, uh, there were security procedures in place and flying could resume, and people's concerns about flying were very limited. That is, uh, there might be a small group of people here or there trying to take down an airplane. Not only do we have a massive grounding of aircraft, there's a concern on the minds of anyone inside of an aircraft, whether air crew, cabin crew, or passengers, that the danger may be all around them. The danger may be circulating in the air around them. So there will have to be several things done to get things back even close to normal, one of which is assuring passengers that reasonable precautions have been taken and that the risk of being infected is relatively low. Now, I'm not sure if what's been done already has satisfied those concerns, but personally, I have done things to reduce my risk. I canceled flights even before the massive grounding. I've limited my planned flights in the near future, and I'm taking a wait-and-see attitude waiting to see what procedures will be done by the airlines, waiting to see what recommended personal protective activities passengers should do, and also weighing the risk of flying versus not flying. Now, on the part of personal protection, it was only recently that airlines in the U.S. and elsewhere mandated that passengers wear a mask while flying. I think that's a common sense thing. And I'm working 
through my own risk reduction uh, process, which might include the mask, may include wearing gloves while I'm in the aircraft, and also planning my trip so that I spend the minimum amount of time in the terminal or in transit that's not personal transit before and after the airport. So my airport experience will be radically different. I'm not going to buy any restaurant food. I'll try and avoid using the washrooms if necessary. And I'll sit quietly, go on the plane, and when I get to the other side, leave as quickly as possible. So I'm going to I'm going to summarize and say you're you're suggesting that we're going to all of us undergo massive change, and that it's going to take a while before we see uh, anything that even closely resembles what we have been used to in air travel. And Todd Curtis, I thank you very much, but I am out of time, and I appreciate you appearing with us today. Well, thanks again for the opportunity. All right, Todd Curtis, he's an aviation safety expert, and uh, talked to us about new new air travel as we know it and uh, the nuts and bolts of the uh, unfortunate crash of the uh, Snowbird Tudor jet.